0: Hey guys, it's Ali. Welcome back to Infertilife, the podcast. This is episode 207 called Jenna. This episode is supported by Receptiva DX. Getting pregnant isn't always easy as so many of you listening know. Many couples struggle with infertility and unexplained infertility can be particularly frustrating. Receptiva DX is the only test that can identify endometriosis, progesterone resistance, and endometritis in a single sample, all causes for unexplained infertility and the success rates of IVF treatments. Receptiva DX includes BCL-6, a marker that identifies uterine inflammation, most often associated with asymptomatic, aka silent, endometriosis. BCL-6 is found in more than 50% of women with unexplained infertility and over 65% of women with two or more IVF failures. If positive for the Receptiva DX test, treatment options can improve the chances for a successful live birth 5 bold. Learn more at ReceptivaDX.com or download their app, which is also called Receptiva DX. And for $75 off, you can go to their website, order the test, and use code INFERTILEAF23. Again, it's ReceptivaDX.com. Use code INFERTILEAF23. Thanks, Receptiva DX. All right, guys, Jenna Cuccinelli has one of the biggest hearts that I have encountered in this infertility space. You guys probably follow her on Instagram at Cuccinelli. and if you don't already, you should because she is just an open book about everything that she and her amazing husband Pete have been through so far, and today we're going to get into all the nitty gritty of it, starting with Jenna's diagnosis of PCOS when she was like 13, how she and Pete met, the miscarriage that they had a week before their wedding, and we're going to get into so much more. And one of the main things we talk about is their baby, Graham, who is stillborn, And she's going to tell us all about that and their IVF journey. And I'm getting choked up talking about it because it's pretty emotional. But she's just, like I said, an open book and wants to share all this stuff and all the things she went through and all the things she learned and then where they are now. You know, they're five plus years into their fertility journey. They've had five miscarriages and one stillbirth. They've got five embryos left, so we're going to talk about now in 2023 what's happening with them and where they're at and what they're doing next. So it's an incredible story. She is an amazing woman. I know I use that word a lot, but she really, really is. So without further ado, this is Jenna's Infertility Story. we go. Do you like that creepy little recording in progress?
1: (laughs) Hi, Jenna. Hi. How are you? Thank you so much for doing this. Good. I'm doing great. How are you? Good.
0: So last time I talked to you, you and your husband were doing a fertility rally live panel with us. So that was awesome. It was so great to see you guys. And I'd love to hear if you always wanted to be a mom. I always like to start with that question.
1: Yes. So growing up, I've always been the youngest in the family. I've always had to sit at the kids table. though. So like when my cousins started having kids because I was the youngest, so mm-hmm. I've, I've always loved children. And so when I was 13, I was told I had PCOS, which I mean, you look back now and that's like, oh my gosh, a long time ago mm-hmm. and I was told I would have a hard time having kids. So I think I've Kind of put it in my mind, like I don't want kids, right? Mm. And I always said that. I think it was like defense mechanism, you know. Totally. I didn't think I could have them, so I was like, I don't want them, Mm -hmm. and kind of had that mindset. But in my heart, it's always been there. And my husband and I had our first miscarriage, a natural pregnancy, like a natural, you know, didn't have to do IVF, didn't have to do any fertility treatments, and. When I realized I could get pregnant, then I was like, of course, like I want a million kids. Right. Yes. Short answer. Yes. (laughs) Can you tell me, can you tell me a
0: little bit more about the PCOS diagnosis? Like what did you, how did you get diagnosed? What did, and what did they tell you specifically were the reasons that you were going to have problems later down the line?
1: Yeah. So I was young and I always had really, really heavy periods and it's crazy because I don't get them now. So. (laughs) how that Mm -hmm. happens. It's insane, but PCOS is just fun. And so (laughs) I, (laughs) you know, I just remember getting really heavy cycles. My parents bringing me, you know, to the OB, which when you're young, you're like, uh, don't want to go. And I kept getting cysts that would rupture and I would be in so much pain. And yeah. And so they diagnosed me with PCOS and, um, even on birth control at a young age, which now I'm like, why was I ever on birth control? You know, I look back I'm like, literally like stuck. Like, I don't think they actually told me why just because of my PCOS, like they mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. said anything. Okay. You're very so, sick and that's why. Let's
0: fast forward to when you met your husband. How long before you guys started talking about the future and family building and all that?
1: Oh goodness. So I met my husband- we actually met on Tinder. Let me tell you that. Isn't that nice. I was on there for a day, told him if he wanted to, to date me, he'd have to add me on Facebook, saw his last name when he added me and thought that's a horrible last name. And now it's mine. So- <laughs> <laughs> and I just asked you how to pronounce it because I wanted to make sure when I do the intro later, Cuccinelli. Yes.
0: Cuccinelli. Okay. That's yeah. a cool last name. I like it.
1: I do love it now. Um, but when I saw it originally, I was like, man, that's a bad last name. Like, I don't even know how to say that. But <laughs> there's a lot of consonants. <laughs> yeah. Our our relationship, like we've just really become best friends since day one. So we moved in together after dating for three months. It sounds crazy. Got engaged two years later, got married 18 months after that. And we actually had our first miscarriage a week or so before our wedding. I'm so sorry. And- Thank you. And so that's when I was like, we just have to keep trying. Like we need to do what it needs to like what we need to do. And I Mm -hmm. knew I'd have a harder time conceiving because of the PCOS diagnosis at a young age. And Mm -hmm. so we just went straight in from there and we've not been stopping since then. But I actually told my husband, I'm very blunt. If you guys know this, if you follow me, Mm -hmm. um, I told him, I'm pretty sure it was our first date. I said, by the way, I'm moving across the state in a year and I'm going to have a hard time having kids. So Mm -hmm. not sure if you want to sign up for this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What did he say? He stuck around, you know, so. I mean, how could he not? And you
0: guys are so cute together. But yeah, that's a lot to to swallow at the beginning of a relationship, you know, and some people might be like, oh, I don't know if I want to go down that road. But, you know, I feel like
1: I was always so honest and blunt. And I was like, listen, this is what you get. (laughs)
0: <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Good for you. And I,
1: I never in my life actually thought it would be the truth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I thought, oh, it won't be me. Like, it won't actually be that hard. And little did I know when I thought hard, like, oh, a year, two years, right. here we are, five plus years later. Right. So never thought that that long, you know? Yeah.
0: So is that the chronology, Jenna, you started five plus years ago. That was when you guys had 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 the first miscarriage.
1: Yes.
0: Okay. So tell me about that. that. Like after, you know, lo- having that loss, which is so devastating. And, you know, I've had four and so many people that are listening have had multiple or even one, you know, we always say it's not the grief or pain Olympics. It doesn't matter how many you've had, but they're all terrible. Um, how, how did that feel for you?
1: My feelings after the first one was like, almost I was in shock because I didn't think I could ever get pregnant. Right. And especially naturally, because at that time I was on birth control. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And
1: so our plan was to get off birth control, you know, right after you get married and then you start trying and all that went out the door. So I just remember being devastated. And I was so, I mean, you're already emotional on your wedding day. And then having to deal with that right before it made me even more emotional. I remember going for my last fitting for my dress. And then the lady was like, oh, you look a little bloated. And I just started crying. And Ugh. But I also felt a sense of maybe this can actually happen. Like maybe right. we can actually have a child. So almost a sense of hope, you know, mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea we'd be where we are now, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, from that.
0: Okay. So what happened after that? Chronology-wise, when did you guys end up seeking help?
1: Immediately. Like literally... Okay. Within a couple months, like I let my body miscarry. I had a cycle right after the miscarriage, and we went and we found um, we started interviewing fertility offices and found one that we loved. Found some that we absolutely did not love, Mm. and along the way, and we started with timed intercourse with medication, Mm -hmm. multiple rounds. I think we did that for like a year, Mm -hmm. just hoping, praying, and maybe six months. I don't know. Gosh, the timeline these days, I feel like I'm getting so old. I don't remember. I know it's so hard Um, to keep track. Yeah. And then we went to inseminations and then we went to IVF. So it was, we kind of, and being a chiropractor, I struggled with doing any form of anything because, you know, I have the chiropractic community telling me rub essential oils on your wrist and Get an adjustment and you'll get pregnant, you know? And
0: really so, interesting. Did you believe that stuff too at first, like having that kind of a background?
1: Oh, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> My peers, I love you. With, <laughs> you'll find with chiropractic, I like to call myself like half crunchy. Okay. You know? So yeah. you have the cr- crunchy being like the people that are just like everything organic, everything essential oils, everything, all of that. and. Mm-hmm. I love my non-toxic stuff, don't get me wrong, but, and I love my oils, but there's a time and place for medical intervention. And I just knew in my heart, that's what we needed. But I was in chiropractic school. So I was surrounded by these people that, you know, medicine, oh my God, that's horrible, right? Right. So I really struggled with just being okay with it, you know, Mm -hmm. being okay that I had to seek help. And not only that, my peers thought I was crazy because- at the start of our journey, I was 24, mm-hmm. almost almost 25. So I was 24 and I'm going to be 30 on Saturday. And so I just cannot believe it's still been this long, you know?
0: Yes, absolutely. So did you kind of have to hide it from your chiropractic friends? And like, once you started seeking so, treatment or were you, str- I feel like you're not the kind of person to hide that, right? You're just like, well, this is what,
1: what it is. Well, you should have seen old Jenna. So <laughs> nobody knew about anything until we did IVF. I didn't actively tell friends that, you know, I think my best friend, my parents, and maybe a couple people knew about the miscarriage, mm-hmm. but not tons of people. I didn't announce it. I didn't share about it. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, before my whole life was on social media. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say anything about the time intercourse with medication, nothing about inseminations. Now there was a couple of peers in school and they were always like my partners when we had to take tests and stuff. And they, cause you know, chiropractic give a lot of hands-on things, a lot of using different modalities and like the East end machine and stuff. And if you're pregnant, you can't do certain things. Mm-hmm. And so I always had these partners in school, my peers, and they were just, some of them were so great because I had to relay that information to my instructor, like, hey, I might be pregnant. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't do that. And it was so hard because it was like, I felt like they probably thought I was crazy. Every, every single test, it was like, hey, I might be pregnant, but like, I don't know because we're always going through something. So I kept it very hidden until we did IVF. Um, Okay. And, and it was hard because, you know, when you get married, What's the first thing people ask you? Oh, so when are the kids coming? Exactly. Like at
0: the wedding reception, they're like, okay, you're going to have a baby, all that. Yeah. The pressure.
1: Exactly. exactly. And little did anybody know we had a miscarriage. We've been trying. Mm -hmm. We went through all this medicine, all this stuff for, you know, over a year and nobody knew. Mm. And then I remember going over, we don't like celebrate Valentine's day with my family or anything. So I don't want you guys to think I'm crazy, but Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) it just happened that like it was right after valentine's day and we had gone over to my parents house they live on the other coast of florida and my brother and sister-in-law came and we were all just having you know a nice dinner together Mm -hmm. and my brother and sister-in-law brought the dessert Mm -hmm. well that night we were gonna tell everybody like hey we're thinking about doing ivf like this is what we're doing and i'll never forget just going in the bathroom to cry but nobody knew right because my sister-in-law and my brother brought out a heart-shaped cookie that said roses are red violets are blue we're due with baby number Oh, and so oh god I, mean, I would have been think, sobbing yeah and you know I think my parents knew about what we were you know the different inseminations and stuff like that but you know when no one in your family has gone through it, no one really knows what infertility is. Mm -hmm. And so I remember crying the whole way home and just thinking like, how are they so lucky? You know? So.
0: Right. Absolutely. That's so hard too, when people around you, it's seemingly happening so easily. Did you feel like that?
1: Yeah. And, and if you know my brother and sister-in-law, like I love them to death, but they're not, you kind of wonder like, they're not very lovey, dubby.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not about PDA whatsoever. Like, he's lucky if I hold his hand kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I just, there's a time and place for PDA and I don't like it in public. Yeah. And, but I was shocked when they were pregnant with my my nephew because they're just so, I don't know. But mm-hmm. I guess, you know, hey, things happen behind closed doors. So Right. Understandable. Understandable. So let's back it up a little bit before the
0: IVF. So when did you guys... You start doing insemination, a.k.a. IUIs, right? Um, Yes. How many of those did you do?
1: Gosh, that's one thing I never kept track of. Mm, Um, Okay. But we did, I know we did several, several timed intercourse rounds with medication. Not as many IUIs because I think I was just tired of, one, you keep doing them and that money adds up and it's like you might as well do IVF.
0: Totally. Mm Mm-hmm
1: at least in my opinion, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, but now, you know, there's no issues with Pete's sperm or anything like that. So in my head, it was just like, I don't, I I didn't feel like the insemination was much different for us than just the timed intercourse. Like Mm -hmm. there's the swimmers have no problem. Let me just say it that way. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: um, Now with the PCOS, had you made any other kind of like lifestyle changes or anything like that? Once you guys, you know, got into like, we are definitely trying now.
1: Yes. So I grew up in a Tide and Dawn and Pledge and Mm Windex household. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually remember accidentally, you know, spraying Pledge in my mouth, and now I hate the taste of lemon. But that's (laughs) beside the point. I I to be. That's where I. That's where the half crunchy comes in. I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I switched to a completely non toxic household. Pete was very against it. Let me tell you, mm. very against it. Um, and it started with just you know laundry detergent, and he, I just started changing it before he knew, and he was like, "Man, my clothes smell really good." I was like, mm, "Do they?" Okay. <laughs> Wait, uh, what do you so, use now? What kind of detergent? So I refer to this non-toxic shop club so i literally get everything sent from the same store and it's nice it's delivered to my door the same place i get my makeup i get my detergent i get everything from Mm -hmm. so that's been a game changer i've just noticed uh significantly with both of us he had really bad allergy problems like just switching to non-toxic regardless of fertility like it it makes a big difference on your life Mm -hmm. and so did that what's the name of the store it's called So we just switched to non-toxic, you know, and of course, when this whole thing started, gosh, I was much smaller, probably much, you know, healthier weight wise, but Mm -hmm. it takes a toll on you. Like here we are. So
0: completely, completely. So what, okay. When you guys shifted then from IUIs to IVF, tell me about that. When did you guys make that decision and how did it go? Like first round?
1: it was hard because you just think you're going to be pregnant you know mm-hmm. and you're like well if this didn't work this is for sure going to work you mm-hmm. know and you, it's so funny to look back and see like the naive person i was because you just think it's all going to work and you just have so much hope and and i know when i know no doubt regardless of where we are even now like we are going to have a child regardless of how this child comes to us but we we're just kind of like, we're tired of spending money on inseminations and we're going to go to IVF. Like the money that we keep putting forth for this could be used for IVF. We just waited, I think it was like two or three months, and then we ended up doing IVF.
0: Okay. So, how did that first round go for you?
1: Oh, uh, it was not what I expected. Mm. Um. In what even, way? Well, obviously it didn't work. But mm-hmm. um, again, I thought, IVF works. Like, but I didn't know anybody that had gone through infertility at that time. I feel like this community wasn't as, um, this was in 20, when did we do this? 2018, I think Mm -hmm. 2019. I'm not even sure. Gosh. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I keep forgetting that we're in 2023. Let me tell you Me (laughs) too. I said it was 2012 the other day. Oh no. (laughs) I was like, not
0: even in the right
1: decade. That's so funny. Um, so we went in fully excited and ready and I was told I would be getting all my babies from first round because of how everything was looking, all my follicles and everything. And so fast forward to the egg retrieval, mm-hmm. we retrieved one egg. Wow. I was devastated. Like of course, I mean, yeah, devastated, you know, cause when you're, when you don't get what you want, not only is it like mentally, physically. And then like, you have to deal with like, okay, I have to do this all over again. But like the financial burden is also big. And I feel like a lot of people don't talk about that either, you know, because when it doesn't work, that's more money you have to keep putting forward. Mm -hmm. And so we retrieved the one and they, it made it to day three. And because of only being one, my clinic said, let's go ahead and transfer like the best place for this to be at this point, you know, Mm Is with you so we transferred and it failed it did Mm. not work
0: so sorry Sorry. that's such a crushing blow right tell me about when you found out it hadn't worked how did you guys feel Uh,
1: i think i was more mad Mm. like more mad and upset than anything like but you know i also think looking back on everything like i never really knew how to grieve Mm -hmm. I never properly grieved anything until after fast forward, obviously, I know we haven't gotten there yet, but until our son was stillborn, I never knew how to process my emotions properly. I never knew any of that.
0: What about your husband? What was his grief process?
1: That was seeing him cry crushed me because Mm -hmm. if you guys know my husband, like he, I would say. Before becoming a doctor, before anything like my lifelong goal, and I know some people maybe wouldn't say this is theirs, but my husband's just such a fun, loving, like sweet man. Mm-hmm. I just want him to be a father. Like I wanted him, I wanted to make him a father, and yeah. um, and it just crushes me to see him upset. And oh, really? as, and you know, he hopefully he doesn't ever listen to this because. He'll kill me if I openly admit he cried because he's such a you know he was military. So right. nobody tell him if you yeah. if you run into him. <laughs> nobody tell him I said this. But Your did. secret is
0: safe with me.
1: The only time I'd ever seen him upset was when his grandmother had passed. So to mm-hmm. see him so emotionally just like distraught from it, mm-hmm. it was just heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, definitely. And
1: so so that was definitely hard.
0: Yeah. So then how long before you did another round? Was it hard to like pick up the pieces or were you like full steam ahead? Let's do this. Let's keep going.
1: Well, we're like, let's give it a few months. And then COVID hit and it was almost like God's way of saying like, you need to take like a break. Mm -hmm. And so we took a year off from actual treatments. And I thought in my head, this is where I'm going to do it naturally. We're going to get pregnant naturally. Like, this is going to be our year. I actually remember 2020, we have a picture of us holding a letterboard saying, this is our year. Mm-hmm. It wasn't our year, but as far as fertility treatments go, because COVID and the, you know, the clinics were still open, but I just remember all the things going around. Like you didn't even feel comfortable going out half the time, Totally. let alone trying to transfer and then seeing all these women having babies and not being able to have their husband with them or, you know, having to wear a mask and all these things. I was like, that's not what I want. Right. I've worked this long. Like, I don't want that. I don't want my memory of having a baby and taking so long to like be just me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes so a lot of sense. We took some time off. We I did acupuncture for a year straight. Uh huh. Um, I did it the natural, crunchy way and did not work. Okay. So um, I thought, you know, then I can always tell people I did try again, you know. Exactly. Yeah. No. So, but I did learn a lot and I think it was good for my body to take that time off because I do think one thing a lot of people don't do going through infertility and going through treatments is take a break. Right. And I think it's so important to know, like, you need to take a break, but only, you know, when you need that. I
0: think it's so hard though, Jenna, because like the time is ticking and you're seeing people and you're feeling left behind and you feel like other people are passing you by and, you know, like as you get older, it's harder and all that stuff. So it it is, I think it's so what you say is totally valid, but I think it is so hard sometimes to take a break and like take your foot off the gas, you know?
1: And it's hard because I mean I started our whole our first miscarriage at 24. Mm-hmm. Both 24-year-olds aren't even thinking about kids, honestly.
0: Right. Right. And-
1: so here I am almost 30 and now I really feel the time taking. Like I, I will say I never felt that before, but I always would say like, I'm getting older, I'm getting older. And when they tell you, you know, take six months, take three months, whatever, you're like, well, then I'm not going to be this old until I have a kid,
0: you know? Yeah. You start thinking down the line, oh my God, then when they graduate from high school, I'm going to be this old. Yeah. And when at their wedding, I'm going to be this old. Yeah. All that stuff.
1: Yes. I remember when I was in high school thinking I'm going to be 25 a doctor and I'm going to have like four kids.
0: Oh my God. Amazing.
1: Because I didn't, you know, never wanted anyone to know that. But here I'm like, man, like that was cute, Jenna. (laughs) Right. Exactly.
0: So what happened next?
1: So we finally decided to move forward with IVF again. And we did our, I'm trying to think the year, egg retrieval in 2021, our second egg retrieval. And we did change a few things. Um, the fun old enema. I don't know if anyone's ever had to do that before their egg retrieval. And let's be real. I'm a thick girl, you guys. I was not when we started, but I have a few extra pounds to love now. So mm-hmm. we decided it was best to do an enema, to flush everything out, because I was really concerned. Like, why did I have these follicles, mm-hmm. you know, but only one egg? And they tried telling me it was empty follicle syndrome, but fast forward, second egg retrieval, we retrieved 12 eggs, which is decent. Yeah, that's great. You know, considering PCOS and, the, you know, everything else that I've already gone through, mm-hmm. and so all 12 fertilized and then nine became day five embryos. Wow. And yeah, I was just-
0: That's incredible. So
1: excited, yes, yes. And I, I remember like feeling like, okay, I can do this. Like Mm -hmm. my body did that. So like, here we go. And I think a lot of it too was taking that break, relieving some stress. And I know this sounds crazy, but like we weren't 100% a non-toxic household when we did the first round. So part of me feels like that was a big difference too, but I could Mm be wrong. Right. I thought switching just my cleaners and stuff was important. But then I found out like, no, it's my skincare, my hair care, my makeup, my everything.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So you have that many embryos and then was it transfer time?
1: Oh, so I wouldn't be Jenna if I didn't have some hurdles to go through. (laughs) (laughs) I, and it's not as common with 12 or yeah, with 12 eggs retrieved, but I ended up having extreme over um, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. So OHSS and it was so fun. I'm just kidding, guys. It's not, (laughs) I
2: don't,
1: (laughs) I don't recommend it, um, (laughs) to anybody I felt like I had like an ocean in my belly and it was like just so painful and so I gained 17 pounds of fluid in two days
0: oh my gosh yeah that's like
1: That must have been so
0: uncomfortable because you just feel like you're not in your body at that point
1: I could hardly walk like I you know those little um like the balls that you tap back and forth
2: Mm -hmm. yeah I
1: felt like that was my ovaries oh
2: yeah (laughs) like
1: it was just so bad. And so, you know, they tell you to eat all the salt, drink all the Gatorade, not have any water. And I tried everything I could, but I had to go in um, and I had to have it drained. Mm-hmm. So I had that drained. And because of that, I couldn't transfer. Okay. So then that was January. We took off, took off February kind of in a sense of like mm-hmm. starting my first frozen embryo transfer because the first transfer was a fresh transfer. And so I prepped and then we transferred our son Graham on March 17th.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. And when did you take the, did you do early testing? Did you wait for the beta? Like how did that go
1: Oh gosh, no, I don't listen to the doctors. (laughs) Now I write, if you get anxiety, like I do, I wish I would have waited, but at the same time, I, it's okay.
0: I started testing day four. Okay did was anything showing up?
1: Um, I want to say day four, day five, I got my first very faint positive, like very faint mm, um, wow. and I didn't have an HCG trigger or any or anything. So I knew, like, okay, this is pregnancy.
0: How did it feel to finally get that, you know positive test after everything you guys had been through at that point?
1: I was just excited, but I was also nervous mm-hmm. because I feel like I would get to the point of being, you know, like see a positive and then it would be taken away with a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. So I was very nervous. And at the time, there was a lot of people in the infertility community pregnant, further along than me, but pregnant. And I remember they kind of like seeing other people's posts gave me a little bit of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like I'm waiting for 13 weeks. I'm waiting for, you know, once they would hit that mark, then they would be like, no, I'm waiting for 20 weeks of viability. And I was like, I can't do this. So I just remember having to like be in my happy bubble and ignore everything. But I became so sick when I was pregnant. I I was just so, so sick. Mm-hmm. the whole. Yes, it was mostly morning, but I would feel so sick all day long that it took my energy away from me for the whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would get sick at night sometimes as well. It was just, it was really rough. I never knew like if I would have a good day or not, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, Did you but, know the sex of this embryo? No. So we okay. actually have never tested any of our embryos. That's okay. a good point. I'm a huge advocate for, unless there's something you know is going on. Like, So when Pete and I had to do our genetics way before anything ever started, any fertility treatments, um, we both, ca- everything came back normal. Mm -hmm. Um, there's nothing that runs on either side of our families. So we, you know, and with me being so young at the time, like there was no need to test anything. And I've also read some studies where someone has undergone IVF and they decided to go ahead and transfer and they've had them tested, but didn't tell the patient. And they've transferred a bad embryo and it's been a successful pregnancy with a healthy baby. Whoa. So I've just, I'm not an advocate of that because I feel like every embryo deserves a chance. And of course, unless you know, there's something like you're trying to avoid.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah.
1: And that's just my opinion. Like, Mm -hmm. so, and I also think unless you're currently, unless you're having like recurrent miscarriage after miscarriage, after miscarriage. so. Is it something that we would consider in the future? Possibly, because we've had so much since then.
0: So tell me what happened as that pregnancy progressed.
1: So we did the sneak peek. I had a midwife do the blood work for me. And I could not get my OBGYN to do the um, the 10-week, what is it called? The NIPT? Mm -hmm. Because I had no problems or anything. So I actually went through a midwife. Got that done, everything came back normal. Um, Did the sneak peek and we found out it was a boy. Mm -hmm. And we were so excited. Um, You know, we never had a gender in mind. I don't think we ever will. We just want a healthy baby. And I think that's something that everybody probably would agree with going Mm -hmm. through infertility. Yeah. So we were just ecstatic that we were having a little boy.
0: As that went on, was everything progressing nicely? And like, when did anything start to kind of take a turn?
1: I mean, I was sick the whole time, right? I was sick. And then I think we had it at 17 and a half or 18 weeks pregnant. We had our gender reveal party. So we weren't your typical, like, we don't want to know. We were like, no, we're going to know, but we're going to surprise you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we knew gender, Um, had a little gender reveal for the family and friends. And um, it was just, I'm grateful. So if you're, ever wondering, like, should I do it? Do it. Because Mm -hmm. you just never know when something's going to happen. I'm so grateful. Like, I'm so grateful for that because, yeah, I'm just so grateful. So anyways, we had his, you know, gender reveal. And then we announced the name the same day at the party. Mm -hmm. So then everybody knew we were having a little boy, Graham Carter, Cuccinelli, like the cutest name in the world. I don't care what anyone says. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So... It was just like, it felt so surreal, like, oh my gosh, like, and then thinking like, now I have to plan a baby shower and stuff like that. Because if you know me, then, you know, I'm a little bit of control freak, a little bit of OCD and I like planning parties. So y'all know I'm always going to plan every party I have. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I think it's important what you just said, like, even if you don't know really what's going to happen down the line, it's so important to celebrate those wins and those great happy moments and capture them when you can. Because if you don't, you're really robbing, you're getting robbed of all that, that cool, fun stuff, you know? So I know it's...
1: Did I post a million bump pics? Like, did I post every single week? Like, okay, no. Going into the pregnancy, I remember I ordered this, not a whiteboard, a chalkboard. Was it chalkboard? I think it was uh chalkboard ordered, And I was like, I'm going to have these cute bump pics every week. And then I was dying. Like, (laughs) I looked like I was dying. Like, I looked homeless. And... (laughs) Um, <laughs> I can mop the floor with my hair, you guys. Okay,
2: <laughs> um, but
1: I took the pictures. Did I post? I didn't post, mm-hmm. but I took the pictures, and I can look back and cherish those moments. So, like, whether you're doing it to share or not, it doesn't matter. Take them for yourself, mm-hmm. them for yourself, and don't ever do it for anybody else. But so we, you know, we celebrated and everything, and then next thing you know. We were getting ready to go to bed and um, this was at 19 weeks, six days. And I had started bleeding. Mm -hmm. Well, actually what happened, I was sitting there, you know, as a pregnant woman, you have to pee a million times. And so I was like, I have to pee. And Pete's like, you just did. I was like, I don't care, Pete. I'm going to go again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was sitting there and I was like, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to pee. I'm not trying to urinate right now. And he was like, what? And I was like, I just feel like something's not right. He was like, slap a pad on and go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay. But I just didn't feel. And, you know, I think that's important to always trust your gut. So I went to bed. I, you know, couldn't sleep, got up within 30 minutes and went to the bathroom and I was bleeding Mm. and I just knew something was wrong. I screamed for Pete um, and I'd already been in the hospital Because of like just being so sick. Mm -hmm. So having to get IV fluids and stuff. So I had a hospital bag ready. So he grabbed it and we just, we left and went to the hospital and we got there that night and it was so hard because in my head, I I knew, and it's hard to being a medical professional knowing as much as I know Mm -hmm. to not psych myself out. You know what I mean? Right. Um, So what was
0: going through your mind? What did you think was happening? Did you think that was, you were losing the baby?
1: I did. And Mm -hmm. I remember like, this isn't good. Like Mm -hmm. this much blood, like the amount of blood I felt like it was a crime scene, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting that at all. And my thought was when he told me like, just pee and go to bed, I felt like the amniotic fluid was leaking. And I think Mm -hmm. that's exactly what was happening. We get to the hospital um, because it was so late because who goes to the hospital during the day? Nobody. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like every time you have to go, it's at night. And so we get there, go to the ER and the ER is like a complete opposite wing from labor and delivery. Mm. Um, we get brought to labor and delivery. I get wheeled there the whole time. Pete's with me and the ladies just all like, I'm so excited for you. Like, what are you having? And like, read the room, Linda.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Come on, Linda.
1: <laughs> so like I'm literally here, you know, probably crying my eyes out. And I don't know how this lady thought it was happy tears, but yeah, they weren't because I was so stressed. Mm-hmm. We get in the room. Doctor comes in, does the ultrasound. Um, and Graham's still there and he's still with us. So we were very happy. And, you know, they give us the two the two possible things that can happen. The amniotic fluid will regenerate on its own or you'll Uh lose the baby. Oh my gosh. And I knew in my heart what was going to happen. I just felt it, you know, like, and Mm. I think that also that motherly instinct. So we had no choice but to just stay there. And so next morning, they come in to do another ultrasound. It was like probably mid-morning, like brunch time, you know, and we got the words of, there's no heartbeat. Gosh, I'm mm. going to cry. I Oops. feel like it's so good. I never normally cry. I'm <laughs> like, so
0: sorry. You can cry all you want on yeah. the show, of course.
1: And it just breaks your heart into a of million. Um, And going into like having, being pregnant, like one fear of mine was always giving birth. Mm-hmm. But at that moment, I had no control. I had to do it, you know? And I'll say it a million times over. Just seeing the look on your husband's face to know that like your baby died
2: Mm. is the
1: worst thing ever. You know, because men don't show emotion. Mm -hmm. So when they do, you know, it's like you know us women cry all the time.
0: I cry Um, like every day.
1: (laughs) Exactly. But when a man cries, you're like, Mm oh, like drops your shoulders, drop your heart, drops like everything. And so we. It was the hardest day of my life, hands
0: mm, down. Absolutely.
1: Um, and you know, I'm very grateful that I've never had to experience loss. Besides, I had a grandpa that passed. I was not close with, so emotionally wasn't that that hard when I was about 12 or 13. But besides that, I'm thankful my family is all here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So this was my first, besides miscarriages, real big loss.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's your own child.
2: Yeah. It's devastating.
1: Yeah. And so, um, I'm grateful for the nurses. I'm grateful for everything. And so next thing, you know, the next day we gave birth. Well, I say we, because if you guys knew how hard I squeezed Pete's hand, um, (laughs) then you would know he was equally part of that. But, Mm -hmm. and then we were able to spend time, you know, with him and, It was just the hardest thing ever. And so advice I would give to somebody going through stillbirth is Mm -hmm. the pictures, take the videos, take everything.
0: Were you Um, able to do that?
1: We were. I'm so grateful. Now, as far as like sharing, I know many people are different. I have several friends I've met, unfortunately, through the stillbirth community. Now I'm grateful for them, but I wish we would meet with, would have met with living children, you know? And some of them share their photos. And I think that's great if that's how you are. And that's Mm -hmm. what you guys as a couple decide to do. Now for us, we've decided to keep those photos for ourselves.
0: Yeah, that's
1: great. Um, And we share, you know, ultrasounds and memories and pictures like that. But we did take all the pictures. We had the hospital take pictures, you know, footprints, handprints, all the things. Mm -hmm. Do it all because you, you know, I look back and I'm like, We had a day with him Mm -hmm. and he was alive for that day. So Mm -hmm. he was already gone. And it's difficult because, you know, you go into the hospital pregnant and you leave with a box. Yeah. So.
0: That's awful. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so so very, very glad for you guys that you did do the photos and everything you were just saying. Um, Yeah. And I'm glad you've been able to connect with other people as well. What are some things that you've picked up from these other, you know, parents who've gone through stillbirths? Any, like, if someone's listening and maybe this has just happened to them or something, anything that you've learned, like, or that you know now that you kind of wish you knew when you were in the midst of it?
1: Yeah, you will be okay. And it's okay to talk about your baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I said, thankfully our family hasn't experienced much loss. So people didn't know how to talk to us, what to say. So oftentimes things weren't said or people didn't talk. Um, And so to just not ignore it, like that child is your child. They're in heaven and you will meet them one day. And the fact of the matter is, is that that's still your baby. You can talk about them to the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I do. Like every single time someone asks me now, like, do you have children? And I say, yeah, they're in heaven,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know? Um, and it's, it's nice to meet people in the community because you can all talk about your babies without someone feeling uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's also okay to make others feel uncomfortable because you went through something tough and they have no idea what it's like. right? And I think being so
0: candid about it sometimes also is good for the people that don't realize because they're like, oh, I didn't even realize. It's just a learning experience almost, you know, and mm -hmm. hopefully taking away not only the stigmas of it, but just by talking about it, then it makes it a little bit more comfortable the next time somebody might have to talk about it or something. I think you're right. Like from what I've heard talking to other moms and dads who've gone through stillbirths is like people avoiding the fact... Avoiding the topic of the baby altogether is really hurtful.
1: If you ignore it altogether, then they feel as if their baby was never exactly, here, you exactly. know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important when, you know, I remember people saying, like, oh, are you going to try again? Like, hello. Mm. You know, it's kind of like, I'll put it in perspective like, it's like losing a spouse. You know, mm. if someone's spouse dies, you're not going to say, so you get married again.
0: Right. I mean some people would, right?
1: And some people might, but right. But you might need to cut those people off from your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Completely. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's a loss and a lot of people don't get it because they didn't meet that person. And so I think that's a big part. It's a really good way to put it.
0: Really good point.
1: So how is the process after that?
0: Of of course we know you never "Quote unquote, get over something like that," you know that grief is not a straight line. I'm sure it comes and goes in waves. How has it been for you guys after the loss of Graham?
1: You know, Pete is my best friend, and through all of this, we I feel like we just get closer and closer. And so I'm grateful that he has been supportive, and I've been supportive for him. And so we've had each other, and that's been amazing. But we also had to learn how to grieve together, and Mm -hmm. so. He very much didn't want therapy. (laughs) He Mm -hmm. was like, you know, he's a tough guy. He was army infantry. Of course, he doesn't want that. But I finally convinced him to do some. And, you know, here we are now. We don't, we don't go to therapy anymore. And it was strictly for grieving. And it's exactly what we needed at the time. Um, He quit going after about three months. And Mm -hmm. that's what he did. I went for a whole year. Mm -hmm. um, And... It helped us, gr- you know, helped us grieve, helped us get through everything. But also I can say hands down, if you knew us before our son was born, you know, before Graham, you don't know who we are now. Like mm-hmm. we are such different people and, you know, so much has changed for us. It's allowed us to be able to grieve easier, not easier, but you know what I mean? Like you just learn what to do when you've gone through a loss, you know, after that. and so. It's allowed us to build our relationship with the Lord, which, you know, if anybody on here is listening that followed me before, it's not like I was like some crazy party animal because let's be honest, I'm an old lady. Um, (laughs) Literally, my ideal Friday night is reading a book at home. Okay. I love Um,
0: that for you. Yes. I love that. And if you're old, then I'm like in the grave, like, (laughs) oh no.
1: (laughs) but I'm just, you know, it's just really it's taught us just, I don't know. We've built our relationship with the Lord. And I feel like we've just grown as people, like as individuals. Mm-hmm. And it's allowed us to realize that life is short. You don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. And celebrate every single thing you can, every chance you get. So since then, you know, we took we took about, gosh, how long was it? About five months off. And then we went to go transfer in December. So Graham was born July 16th, 2021. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to transfer immediately. And I think it was just trying to fill that void, you know, and our next transfer was canceled Mm -hmm. and I was bleeding. I had really bad postpartum problems. Um, and then we tried to transfer again and it was canceled. And that was January, 2022 or February. And it was canceled because Mm -hmm. still bleeding in postpartum complications. and. You know, after stillbirth, your body is going through postpartum. And if you have a baby living, you know that you can't just get I mean, some women do get pregnant right after, but right. it's not recommended because your body is healing. And so I was so concerned with just getting pregnant and not letting my body heal. So after the second canceled transfer, I decided we were taking six months off at least minimum. Mm-hmm. So it was great. Like I felt like I could live. I didn't feel like I, you know, was constantly like, I don't know what I'm doing next month because I might be pregnant or I can't book the cruise or I can't do whatever. So Mm -hmm. um, fast forward, we transferred embryos in November this year. Mm -hmm. Oh, also, and after Graham's stillbirth, I had retained placenta. I had to have surgery for. So that that was hard as well. So there's just a lot. And I guess my point is, is like, going through it, allow yourself to heal and just don't rush the process. Um, Mm -hmm. and I look back and really trying to transfer immediately was just me trying to fill that void on a hundred percent. Yeah. And so truly I felt ready this last year. And so November we transferred and we transferred two embryos Mm -hmm. and, um, I was pregnant and what Graham taught me was to celebrate every win, And so I feel like most people would be apprehensive sharing before you know the safe time that people call it, right? You know, first trimester, but I did, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm well, I did. Um, you know, we found out on the twenty third of December that we lost the baby, mm. and it was hard because I thought we were finally going to be bringing home a baby again, right? But I, I, it's been easier to get through emotionally after Mm -hmm. learning how to grieve with Graham Mm -hmm. and so I'm grateful for the therapy I did I'm grateful for the self-development I did over that year Um, and so that all has brought us to where we are now and so still currently going through the miscarriage and Mm -hmm. that's hard because I've had several miscarriages and this has been the hardest. I mean, I'm still not at zero. My HCG mm-hmm. is not at zero.
0: How often um, are you having to get the levels checked?
1: Every single week. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. It's such so, an
0: emotionally, like a in limbo place to be where you just want to get it over with and done with, but you also mm-hmm. probably kind of don't because then that means it's over for good. You know what I mean? Like it's such a yeah complicated mental situation too.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I feel like, I've been pretty good with not crying too, too much. <laughs> Poor P. Um, but mm. I soon, you know, I did opt to take. You know, there, I was given three options: if I wanted to naturally do it, if I wanted to have a DNC, or if I wanted to take the pill. And so, you know, I opted to take it. The Jenna back in 2017 probably would have never said yes. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I knew that my body needed to get everything out and I knew that I needed to do what I could to get it out as quick as I can because I had retained placenta once. I don't want to have to deal with that again. And so then the bleeding did stop for a while and I thought, oh, I'm done. And then I remember getting ready to go somewhere and I started cramping and bleeding again. I was like, oh, just (sighs) kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm just ready for it to get to be done. But that is where... Right, right. I know I've left some things out in between all no, that. No, that's okay. We have are five plus years into our fertility journey, five miscarriages now, and one stillbirth. So mm-hmm. and five embryos left. And honestly, I think I've had people ask me like, well, will you share again online? Like, I will share our journey in real time every single time. Mm-hmm. And I say this because after losing our son, after losing anybody, I'm sure if, if you're on here and you're listening and you've lost somebody in your life, whether it's your own child, which I would never wish on anyone or just anybody, mm-hmm. you know how hard it is to go through that. And for us, we found out who our real friends were. Mm-hmm. The people who, you know, aren't afraid to ask how you're doing, aren't afraid to just call you, aren't afraid to stop by or, you know, just send flowers, like just acknowledge the loss. Mm-hmm. because there was several people that we thought we were much closer with that didn't acknowledge it at all. Mm. And I'm forever grateful for the community. Like I, I know everybody always says like, you have so many followers, but like, they're not even followers. They're my friends, like friends, every single yeah. person, you know, I will always make it a point to message back every single person. So if someone's on here listening and I haven't, I'm so sorry, message me again. But um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do like this community is amazing. I have met so many amazing people on here, Mm -hmm. so many wonderful people. And every single person that I talked to on here was there for me. Mm
2: -hmm. Stranger.
1: And I've not met half of them. Right. We're there for us when we lost Graham. We're there for us after this miscarriage. So, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, just a reminder that like, people that are supportive don't have to be who you thought your best friend was or your family. It can be complete strangers and sometimes that's needed.
0: Mm -hmm. So how are you guys feeling like right today, this very moment? Like, how do you feel about everything? Are you in the kind of wanting to take a break headspace? Like, are you just like mentally, where are you at with everything?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, where we are now is just like, why does this keep happening? Mm Mm-hmm like what is possibly like, is there something else going on? So I'm kind of like in limbo. I can't do a whole lot until my HCG hit zero. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a lot of blood work we're going to be doing. I could list them all off, but honestly, I probably can't say half of them. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: but people will follow you as you do it in real time. Like you said on your Instagram and everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I will share all the names and everything in real time, but, um, basically waiting for that to come back. But something that I haven't allowed myself to do is, like I said, I was so small. Oh my gosh, if you scroll way back, you'll see Skinny Jenna. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just gained. And I think that's part of going through infertility and not knowing how to grieve properly
2: mm-hmm.
1: with the hormones, with the injections, mm-hmm. and then the losses, depression, anxiety, all of that pops up from it. Whether whether you're going through therapy or not, like you'll still... like you experience that, you know, and Mm -hmm. I've avoided myself because I'm like, you know, Oh, I'm going to transfer again. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And the weight comes on and it keeps coming on. Mm -hmm. So I've decided that we're going to get all these tests done. And my goal is before we ever transfer again, I have to lose 50 pounds. Like it's not being told Mm -hmm. to me to do that. Mm -hmm. I just, I want to feel better. And so that's where I'm at and I'm down nine. Wow. Um, so, that's huge. Yes. I think it came from my toes though, Allie. I don't really, <laughs> I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. But well, um, I'm celebrating it, you know? like I'm, Absolutely. That's what I'm doing. I told myself I'm going to celebrate every little part of it. Um, and then if everything comes back normal with blood work, I'll probably ask for um, the Emma, the Alice, the receptiva, like all the different mm-hmm. things. And so we're just kind of going with everything as it comes to us, but focusing for me on the weight loss first Mm -hmm. before, just because I feel like it's not going to hurt anything. And Mm -hmm. I just want to feel better. You know, like it's, I said, 2023, I don't know if you do this, but I always put a word for my year. Yes, I Um, do. 2023 is the year of breakthrough
0: for me. Oh, awesome. Mine this year is action. So tell me about that. Why breakthrough?
1: So I was in church and I just, it kept, that word kept coming to me. I kept hearing it in the songs. I kept, I just really felt pulled to that word. And I was like, I feel like that's what 2023 is going to be. I think it's going to be that for our fertility journey, for my Mm self-care of losing weight. And now when I say breakthrough, it doesn't mean I'm going to be pregnant this year, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's the year of breakthrough, like for me taking care of myself building myself up. I've challenged myself to read 10 books a month for self-development because fertility just, it knocks you down. It, you know, diminishes your confidence. Sometimes it diminishes a lot of stuff. And I realized like it's, it's the year of breakthrough for me to get back to where I was. (laughs)
0: Okay, thank you guys so much for listening. Jenna, I just love you to pieces. And I'm, you know, I know our friendship is going to continue and I can't wait to see what happens next for you guys. So I also want to let you guys know that Fertility Rally membership is open and we have an incredible new thing called Rally Guys. We are starting a guys support group once a month with a rotating hosts, three incredible guys. So head on over to Fertility Rally on Instagram to read more about that and find out more about that. It starts on February 7th, which is a Tuesday. We're going to do it once a month, like I said, for the first three months, and we'll see what the demand is and how it's going, and then we might increase it after that. But we're super excited about it. So the guys' membership is only $75 for the entire year. This month. So, head over to fertilityrally.com. You can join there. And also, the main membership is open as well. So, let me know if you have any questions. Everybody is welcome here. And we are just really excited to support in another way. So, thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you guys next time.